Anteaters, Bill Nye, the science guy here, and CEO of the Planetary Society, featured on Planetary Radio Thursday nights here on KUCI. And when I'm in Irvine, I do what you do. I listen to KUCI, I support it on KUCI.org, and I turn it up loud! Call now and make your pledge to KUCI, or visit us on KUCI.org. Contribute! Improve the quality of life in Irvine for all the anteaters and the other citizens as well. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. This is actress January Jones, and sharks are my passion. Healthy oceans need great white sharks, but they're at risk of extinction. Too many are being caught in fishing nets. There may be only a few hundred adult great whites left off the West Coast. We should be scared for great whites. Get involved. Visit Oceana.org. That's O-C-E-A-N-A.org. Please help before it's too late. Hi there, you're listening to Get the Funk Out. I'm your host, Janine. Before we kick off the show with author Nicholas Carr talking about his book, The Shallows, just want to fill you in. It is our fun drive. We are accepting pledges of any amount, and uh, you can get a KUCI bumper sticker. We even have some uh, license plate frames for a $20 donation. So any amount, we'd really appreciate it. We are a team of volunteers from students to community members. I know I've been here since 2007, and we love what we do. And if you're not familiar with all the great shows we have from music to public affairs programming, just visit www.kuci.org. Again, we have some of our DJs standing by to take your calls. And uh, you can get CDs, T-shirts, all kinds of great things we have for this uh, fun drive, and uh, we'd love your support. So the number is 949-824-5824. All right, first up, I have two guests on. Uh, coming up, holding on the line is Nicholas Carr. He writes about technology, culture, and economics. His most recent book, The Shallows, What the Internet is Doing to Our Brains, is a 2011 Pulitzer Prize nominee and a New York Times bestseller. He's also the author of two other influential books, The Big Switch, Rewiring the World from Edison to Google, and Does It Matter? His books have been translated into more than 20 languages. Good morning, Nick. Hello. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. Thank you for calling in. Sure, my pleasure. You know, I I actually heard about you because I saw this video clip I just posted on my Facebook page, What the Internet's Doing to Our Brains, and I played it for my kids because I think we've really lost touch with, you know, like I tell people, I read a newspaper. They're like, what? You don't, you don't look at it on your, on your tablet? I love the, te- the feel of holding a newspaper. And some people don't get that. Or writing a thank you note. Or, you know, not texting all the time. I just started texting, I think, two months ago. I mean, people are really just too enthralled with technology and they lose their sense of communication. I think, you know, I think we've kind of been dazzled by the computer and the internet and the smartphone and 
and kind of have come to judge communication and yes. our, our, our mental lives on the basis of what the computer is good at, which is speed and convenience and ease of use. And, and those, are, those are great things in many circumstances, but there are, there are ways to interact with the world and with, with one another that are, don't necessarily give you the, the fastest connection or the most convenient one, but, but are actually, in the end, more fulfilling, I think. Yes. And, you know, I think, oh, I know, I have children, uh, a lot of times kids forget how to play. I and mean, they think going outside of playing is bringing their phones outside and playing on their phones, you know, and as crazy as it sounds, but it, you really have to take the time to disconnect from technology. Well, I think, I think that's true for everyone, but, but certainly as we push, you know, phones and, and tablets and touchscreens onto kids at ever younger ages, it, it becomes too easy to kind of experience, to, to allow the technology to intrude on every experience. And, and the danger is, particularly for young people, is we kind of, we end up stealing from them the opportunity to be alone with their thoughts, yes. the opportunity to sometimes, you know, get bored when they're alone and have to kind of figure out ways to amuse themselves. And, and it's those moments that, that, when you're kind of thrown back onto your onto yourself and have to that you discover things about yourself and you you find you know interesting hobbies or or interests that you wouldn't have found otherwise so there there is a danger to to you know the the fact that our gadgets kind of keep us amused all the time or distracted all the time that that does steal i think uh opportunities for for exploring our own self and our own mind. Yes, yes. Now, you proposed the question, is Google making us stupid? What made you come up with that question? Well, it, was, it, it came out of my own experience of, and, and I'm using, in the title, I, I kind of use Google as a stand-in for the entire Internet. Sure. But I had, you know, I've been a technology writer for a long time, a big user of computers and the Internet and everything else, and, and yet I... I suddenly realized that I, w- I seemed to be losing my ability to pay attention, to kind of, uh, you know, I'd sit down with a book or an article, something I used to do all the time and enjoy, and, and I'd get a couple of pages in, and suddenly, you know, I, I didn't want to keep focused. I wanted more stimulation. I wanted to check my email. I wanted to <laughs> do, do all the kinds of things we do when we're looking at a screen. And I began to wonder, you know, for all the benefits that the Internet and Google and other search engines give us in, ter- in terms of being able to get information very, very quickly, were they, were they eroding our ability to engage in kind of deeper, more contemplative ways of thinking? And ultimately, you know, that led me to look in, at a lot of research, a lot of science behind this, and ultimately I concluded that probably, yes, they are, that there's this big trade-off that comes with uh, with our devotion to technology today, mm-hmm. sure. Because you know you're not you're not able to really do the tactile things. You know, whether you're using your hands to to paint or you know, it's a t- different kind of type of intellect when you disconnect from the computer. It is, and it's one that that kind of respects the fact that we have a rich set of senses that. <laughs> that we develop to interact with a rich, interesting world, physical world. And you can't, you know, I I think because we we take our senses, sense of touch and smell and everything 
kind of for granted because they're just there. We don't realize that how how wonderfully rich an experience they give us. And so we we think, well, you know, we get all this stuff through a through a screen, and we can communicate with each other. And and, and so why don't we just do everything in, right. in this quick, fast way? And and ultimately, I think that that not only distances us from from our our own senses and our own rich ability to kind of make sense and navigate the world but it begins to it begins to you know the title of my book is the shallows and i I think it begins to make us in a way shallower individuals shallower people Mm -hmm. um very good at getting lots of information communicating very quickly but but there's a lack of lack of depth in our in our thinking in our interactions in our in our just presence in, in 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 the physical world I don't think we we are as present when we're with other people anymore. I, you can, <laughs> you know, and this is something that's happened in just the last few years. You can, you can sense this when you talk to somebody. Uh, you know, in, in some cases, it, it's almost become. In fact, it probably by now has become it. An it's become accepted that people can, you know, glance at their smartphones while they're in a conversation with somebody else, and which is when you think about it, pretty would have been very strange just a few years ago and very yes. rude yes. but but also when you're talking to somebody even if they're not glancing at their their phone or their tablet or whatever you know there are those moments when you when you can, they get that distant look in their eye that tells you they're thinking about you know, <laughs> boy I'd like to pull my smartphone out and glance at it sure. or it's buzzing in my pocket Was or that something a text? And, yeah <laughs> and, and so there is that we've kind of come to accept or are coming to accept that it's okay for people's attention to be divided all the time. Well, and as I, I tell my kids, you really can't multitask because you can only focus on one thing at a time. So if you are in a conversation with somebody, you're, you're blanking out. That's right. I mean, one thing that we, we know very well about the brain is, as you said, it's impossible to, to do things, uh, to, to do two different things at the same time. So have mm-hmm. a conversation and also kind of read a text message or something. And so, and so in order to multitask, as, as we call it, you have to, your brain has to kind of switch between one task and another. And, and that involves what, what psychologists and neuroscientists call switching costs, which is, which is your, a lot of your mental energy starts to be burnt up just through the act of switching your focus back and forth. And so if you're doing that very, very quickly, mm-hmm. you're never... You're never doing one thing well. Uh, you're just you're burning up your your right. kind of mental energy just in switching between tasks rather than focusing on each one individually. Do you think we're exhausting ourselves? I mean, you hear about people that stay up and they're on their phone the last thing they do at night, or it's by their bed. And do you think it's when you talk about your title, what the internet's doing to our brains? Could you give me some ideas about what you're talking about in your book? Yeah, I <clears throat> um, I think I think. Human beings, like like other animals, are naturally prone to distractedness. I think we we evolved to want to know everything that's going on around us, um, and that that provides some important benefits, particularly if you know you're you're out alone in nature. But what's happened is we've created this environment for ourselves, this digital environment in which there's no end of alerts and information and messages. And therefore, kind of the natural tendency of our brain to want to know everything 
kind of ratchets up, and, and that becomes the only way we think. We're, we, we become incapable. Our, we train our brain in a way to, be, to want to be distracted, to want to be overstimulated, and it becomes very, very difficult to back away from the flow of information and engage in more attentive, contemplative, meditative ways of thinking. And I do think that that can be exhausting, um, and, and it can be anxiety-producing. Uh, you just want to, you know, you can't let go of this sense that something might be, some me- important message might be out there, so I have to, yes. you know, constantly check things. And, and therefore, you know, this is the, I think this is the first time we've had a technology where, as you say, you know, you're interacting with it from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed, and then, you know, it probably intrudes on your ability to sleep, so you wake up in the middle of the night sure. and you <laughs> pull out your phone or your computer again. It's, it's, I think it is having a kind of deep, deep impact on the way we use our minds. Were there some things that you were surprised to find out when you were doing your research for this book? Yeah, there was. I, I mean, some of it was, was quite simple, but I think very illuminating. One of the, one of the most amazing things I found and, is, is that there's been a lot of research on what happens to the way we read when we're online compared to when we're looking at a printed page. And, for, for example, there, there are studies that just look at what happens when you put hyperlinks into text. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, as we, we get all the time when we're online. And what, what the researchers found is that when you put hyperlinks in text, and it, your reading comprehension goes down. And the more links that are there, the further down your reading comprehension goes. And furthermore, it doesn't even matter if you click on those links or not. And so what the, what the theory is, is that even just individual links, just text that's underlined or highlighted, kind of serves as a distraction. Some part of your brain has to say, hmm, why is this linked? You know, sure. what's going to be on the other side? And it turns out that that breaks your focus, that, that distracts you. And as a result, your, your, your retention of material, your comprehension goes down. And I think you can extrapolate that further when you think about all the little distractions and interruptions that come at us when we're looking at a computer screen of any type. And so for any kind of um, intellectual work or, or communications, I think, I think it's pretty clear that the richness of our understanding and our comprehension goes down the more we're stimulated, the more information we're trying to take in simultaneously. And so there's this, there, there's this pretty clear trade-off. And again, you can see this in the, the scientific literature where we kind of optimize our mind for very fast flows of information, but the expense comes that, that we, we gain a superficial understanding uh, of what we're taking in rather than engaging with it deeply, which leads to a richer, more conceptual, you know, fuller yes. kind of picture of what we're trying to take in. I call it like this endless maze because you can go and look up you know, chicken pot pie, and all of a sudden you 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 see something distracts you about the rainforest, and then you go in that direction. You know what I mean? I mean, it's yeah, it's, you're all over the place, right? And you you know you end up after a certain amount of time saying, okay, I know I, <laughs> yeah. I went on here for some particular purpose, yeah. but can't even remember what it what it was. And and I mean, you know that I, I've I've kind of laid out the negative qualities, but there's a there's obviously the reason we, do, we, 
we fall into that behavior is because in some way we enjoy it. That, mm-hmm. that, you know, there's something to be said for being able to follow a stream of links and go from one place to another very, very quickly. And so, and so there is a pleasure to it, and it, and it does appeal to something in us. And, it, and, I think, and so I think the, the negative consequences of, uh, of, being, of the online life go hand-in-hand hand with the kind of benefits and pleasures we get from it, and it's very hard to, to extricate the, the bad things from the good things. Yes, I mean, you can't deny what an amazing source of information. I would tell my girls, you know, when I was really little, now I'm dating myself, we had encyclopedias. You actually take them off the bookshelf and you'd look up, you know, a word. You wouldn't get on the computer and you'd find this endless amounts of information, you know, at lightning fast speed. Yeah, and there's, you know, obviously there are all sorts of benefits. Uh, A lot of people didn't have (laughs) encyclopedias or didn't have easy access to them, and so Mm -hmm. now assuming they have a computer and it's hooked up to the Internet, they, you can get all sorts of information that used to be very, very difficult to come by or expensive to come by. But I do think that, you know, the medium, the technology we use to access information influences the way we take it in, the way we think about it. And, in fact, if you, you know, one of the, one of the great benefits that we tend to overlook about a printed page, and, you know, an encyclopedia page or any, or a book, uh, traditional book is that it's a it's a great technology to overcome distraction and it, because there's nothing else going on on the page other than the the words and the pictures you really you train yourself to focus on one thing whether it's a story or an argument or a yes. uh, explanation and you're not distracted and in that kind of thinking is very hard for people to do so we're we're kind of throwing out this great technology for training us to be attentive in favor of one that that basically trains us to be distracted. That's true. I'm smiling because I'm just reading on um, my blog, I had posted that you're a former member of the Encyclopedia Britannica's editorial board. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, so, uh, and and it kind of saddened me. A a couple of years ago, the Encyclopedia Britannica announced that it was, it would no longer do its print edition. So, it it yeah. too has kind of moved into the purely digital world, and you can I'm you know I, I'm not privy to their <laughs> business sure. discussions, but I'm sure. sure you know it's very hard to justify the kind of printing costs that 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 are required to to print a full ex- oh, encyclopedia, and yet you know there's something sad about the fact that that's gone. That's so true. Uh, I know we're we're talking about the shallows, but tell me about you have two other books: the Big Switch, Rewiring the World from Edison to Google, and Does It Matter? Do you want to touch on those at all? Tell me about those books. Yeah, well, Does, does It Matter, which is actually Does IT Matter, was, oh, IT, was, was my first book. And, and that, that, that looks at computer technology more from the business standpoint, so, mm-hmm. you know, looks at how companies invest in the technology. Um, the Big Switch, which came out in 2008, looked at the rise of what we now call cloud computing, so what happens when all our information and our software is running on distant data centers operated by, you know, Amazon or Google or Facebook rather than the way it used to be, which is, you know, you'd have your, your data and your software on your own System. computer, on your hard drive. And so, you know, the argument there is we, we just as we kind of, when the, just as through the development of the electric grid, we started depending on big centralized 
energy processors for our power, mm-hmm. now we're also shifting toward a more utility model for computing and, and a more centralized distribution model. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. Um, by the way, if you're just tuning in, we're talking with Nicholas Carr, and his bio is up on my blog, which is getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. I invited you on the show because I think, you know, from everything I've heard, conversations with my friends, we do get in a funk from using technology because it can be overwhelming. Uh, you know, the distraction, like I said, the when you're up late at night or the first thing you do in the morning and I think it can kind of make you stressful where people forget how to just go outside and relax and disconnect so I found that intriguing to have you on the show to talk about this Uh, what was your big attraction to this whole subject well it was it was uh, you know as I said my my personal curiosity about my own (laughs) Mm -hmm. inability to pay attention but I think one of the one of the one of the things I talk about in the shallows is is something that psychologists call attention restoration theory. Exactly. And what it's very interesting because it show there's been you know lots of scientific studies that show that if if a person goes out into nature and it doesn't have to be out into the wilds, it can just be you know walking through a park or walking through a tree area with trees or something. It it has a calming influence on the mind and it opens up. It, it restores your ability to pay attention, to be attentive to your surroundings. Um, and that is actually quite important for, yes. for, uh, for, for the way you think, for the kind of your experience of life, for, I think, your happiness, ultimately. So I do think there is a, you know, a psychological cost of, of being, becoming too dependent on uh, screens and smartphones and stuff, and, and not allowing your mind to calm down sometimes. That's so true. I was actually uh, with a friend of mine, Ira Israel, who's talking about advanced methods of mindfulness. And I had a really busy day. I went to his workshop, and hours later I was raking leaves, and I thought, this is a great way to just unwind being outside. Yeah, and unfortunately, both for ourselves and for our children, we're kind of devaluing that experience and starting to pretend like it doesn't matter much because it seems unproductive, you know, you're just out doing nothing, but going out and <laughs> doing nothing <laughs> it turns out to be quite nice. That's so true. That's so true. Do you have um, any advice for people that are interested in what you're doing? Obviously, read your books. <laughs> um, well, I think, you know, my goal with with the shallows and other things I'm writing is to try to, it's simply to try to get people to be more attentive to the effects that technology has on them. Mm-hmm. So we, at, you know, as I started out by saying, we've become so enthusiastic about all the great things that our computers and smartphones can do that often we turn off our critical faculties. And if I can, you know, if there's one thing I would like people to do, it's just to think more critically about the technology and to realize that there are other ways of doing things than turning on your computer or pulling out your smartphone or whatever. And sometimes, even though those other ways might be slower and less efficient, they might ultimately be better for your intellectual life and for kind of the development of your personal self. Yes. You know, I think as adults, we forget even how to play, how to be creative. We think we need our phones. And... I think more people need time to just disconnect and have that moment of creativity and play. I I agree because I think 
And again, this is something we're starting to devalue. But a lot of creativity, a lot of the most interesting thoughts we have come when we make kind of unexpected associations between ideas, between emotions, between facts we know. And that only happens when you're when you have a calm mind, when you have an undistracted mind, and when you're when you can tune in to your own thoughts. And so if you're always kind of stimulated by uh, computers and the internet and so forth, it's very, very hard to kind of enter into that state where you're making these very interesting connections of, on your own rather than, you know, through the, the yes. connections that Google gives you. Sure. What is your website for people who want to uh, find out more information about you? Well, I have a couple. My, I have, my personal site is nicholascar.com, and then I also write a blog uh, that's at roughtype.com. Okay. I'll put that up in my blog as well. I didn't, I don't think I have that. No, I don't have that link on there. Well, any last bit of advice before we wrap up? No, just, uh, you know, there's a lot of social pressure now to be constantly connected Mm -hmm. and it's easy to, to give way to that pressure. But, but I do think we're better off if we, if we interact with each other and with the world in many different ways, rather than just in one way. I love it. Thank you very much. It's been very interesting. Thanks a lot for inviting me. Thanks for joining us. Have a great week. That was author Nicholas Carr joining us on Get the Funk Out. If you want to find out more information about Nicholas Carr, I'll put uh, links to his website up on my blog, which is getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. Again, we're right in the middle of our fun drive. We'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at 949-824-5824. You can make a donation, just even a minimum $20 donation. We'll give you a KUCI license plate frame. For $35, we'll give out CDs, T-shirts, and it goes up and up the more you pledge. Uh, We have a great collection of music CDs. If you'd like to find out more about them, just give us a call, 949-824-5824. We have, I know we have Sheldon Abbott standing by to take your call. He's the host of Cure for the Blues, which is on at 10. I'm your host, Janine. This is Get the Funk Out. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be back in just a little bit. You're listening to Get the Out. You're listening to Get the Out. Yo, you're listening to Get the Out. You're listening to Get the Out. What's up? You're listening to Get the Out. Yo, you're listening to Get the Out. You're listening to Get the Out. Uh, excuse me, it's Get the Funk Out. Right here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine every Monday at 9. For more information on the show, you can visit the show blog at getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. That's right. Get the f*** out. All right, enough already. I get it. Yeehaw! <laughs>